Hey out there, how y'all doing? Hope you're safe and sound, doing what you gotta do to take care of yourself. Dave Smith just dropping in to say hello, say a few words. Mostly wanna thank you and express my gratitude for continuing to listen to the podcast, stream the podcast, and share it with your friends on the various platforms of social media. I wanted to upload this talk today. I just did this talk about 20 minutes ago with the people in my mentoring program. The talk is about anger and hatred, two topics which are very much alive here in the United States and trying to come up with practice-based ways to understand these. So I thought I'd share that with you here on the podcast. There's also a talk followed by a guided meditation Just a quick warning, the guided meditation is a trigger practice, so it can be challenging. So check it out, fair warning. Also, feel free to check out the click link here in the description. I have a couple programs going right now. The big one going is the Buddhist Recovery Online Class and Community, which is now open for registration, begins February 1st. It's an online course content, an interactive program with online content, video, guided meditations, and weekly live Zoom sessions where there's going to be a teaching, a meditation, and a talk. So very robust program. You can get a discount right now and save 200 bucks if you sign up for the year. Or you can simply subscribe monthly. It's 40 bucks a month with no... Uh, no term limit. You can cancel anytime. And if you want to reach out, you can catch me at satisila74 at gmail.com. Be safe out there, y'all. I hope you enjoy the talk. Peace. That's one of my favorite things about this weekly group is I don't have to, um, I don't have to qualify myself. We can just dive right in. I uh, don't have to waste any time trying to uh, get the lay of the land. So today you might have saw the email. I want to talk about anger and hatred. Um, hot topics for the humans. Uh, everybody seems to know what it is. Nobody seems to be able to deal with it. Um, there's the situation that we find. And of course, I, I want to talk about this for a number of reasons. One is because of what's going on in our culture right now. There's lots of both. Lots of anger, lots of hatred. Um, and what do we do about these things, I think? Uh, because on one hand, we, we don't want to suppress. We, want, we don't want to get rid of our anger. Uh, we need it. We don't necessarily want to indulge it either. Um, so we're back to this tricky business of the middle way. Um, how do we find a middle way between uh, experiencing anger and how we react to anger? So this is very, very hard work. Um, So just to start, I can say a few things about why I think this conversation is important is that many of you know that for years and years, I've kind of teetered back and forth by wanting to be a Buddhist teacher, wanting to be a secular teacher, being interested in psychotherapy, being interested in Buddhism, thinking that Western psychotherapy and clinical secular stuff was bullshit and wanting to be a Buddhist and then thinking that Buddhism is bullshit and wanting to be a clinical secular person. Uh, so I've done this dance many times. I'm glad I'm no longer doing it. I've decided both is good. Uh, but the reason I say all that is one thing that I've always found to be confusing is when you look at Buddhist psychology and you look at the common list of what are called mental factors, 
A mental factor is sort of a, a function of mind that one can identify. Like attention is a mental factor. Mindfulness is a mental factor. Greed, hatred, and confusion are mental factors. These kinds of things. But when we look at the list of Buddhist psychology, there's three, there's really two big ones that we don't see. And I talked about this, I think, on one of our first calls when I got back from being with Stephen Batchelor, is fear and sadness, which I don't know about you, but I experience both of those every day. Fear and sadness are nowhere to be found in the, in the manual, in the way the Buddha talks about these mental factors, which I always, which always kind of confused me and kind of concerned me. I'm like, well, why is the Buddha not talking about anger, about fear and sadness? They seem to happen a lot. Um, and then when he talks about, he doesn't really so much talk about hate, about anger. He talks about hatred, which I think we could correlate hatred uh, and anger to some degree and we'll unpack that further. Um, and so this is what really kind of brought me into the emotional intelligence world of like really realizing that secular science has done a much more better job of un understanding emotions than the Buddha had. But maybe that's also not true either. So the one thing I can say just quickly about uh, sadness, I think that sadness, without a doubt, is, a, is highly correlated to what we know as compassion. So compassion and sadness, to me, in, in a felt experience, when I'm in my life and I'm feeling sad and I'm feeling compassion, they feel very similar to me. Uh, you know, very similar to me. Um, fear is just an, an expression of dukkha. I think we're not going to get a, rid of fear. It, it's, it's that fear of getting old, getting sick, dying, the fear of losing what we have, the fear of not getting what we want uh, is built right into that. But when we come to anger and hatred, um, it's important to get a sense for how those operate. So we definitely don't want to see anger and hatred as synonyms. They're definitely not the same thing. Um, and so me being in recovery uh, and also being interested in Buddhism, one of the problems that we can get is that because the 12 steps speak so poorly about things like resentment, um, and we talk about greed, hatred, and delusion as being things we literally need to uproot and to abandon, it's easy to make that confusion to thinking, well, it's easy to make the correlation between hatred and anger and thinking to ourselves, well, I shouldn't get angry anymore. And anger is somehow bad and wrong. And if I'm feeling angry, that somehow I'm, I'm failing in some kind of a way. Um, and then every time you feel anger, you don't really know what to do with it. Uh, and so usually uh, me being a good, a good white male who participates actively in the 12 steps learned that I needed to suppress my anger. And so I spent years and years suppressing anger because I thought that it was bad or wrong to have it. Um, and then there are side effects of emotional suppression, which usually aren't very good. Um, and so when you suppress anger, one of the things that happens is you start to turn that anger and rage towards yourself, which is also the clinical definition of depression, is rage or anger turned inward. Um, and then we, and then that also can put us in a shame emotion. Uh, I feel ashamed that I'm feeling angry about things. Um, and that's not really helpful because I'm going to feel angry about things. Um, so when we're trying to, and also, just a word on rumination. I was reading this in my 
doing some light reading in my CEB manual this morning. Um, because we talked about rumination and imagination a few weeks back, I want to highlight this. In that in rumination, in sort of mind wandering, habitual mind wandering, um, often anger is sustained with the thoughts about the defective nature of a person or situation and with continual blame. So that, that is a, a, one of the destructive sort of psychological aspects of one of the ways that you can kind of keep anger going or what they call re-triggering is that after you see something or you learn something, um, you become angry. What happens is the rest of the day you're thinking about uh, a sustained thinking about the defective nature of the person. This person's a fucking idiot. These stupid people, how could they? Which actually puts us a little bit in contempt and the situation, uh, and then the, the mechanism that really keeps it driving is the continual blame. Blaming, 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 blaming. Um, that's what really keeps the destructive anger going. And, and if that goes on too long, then the, the intensity of that anger starts to get into more the high intensity of anger, where we're not actually angry anymore. We're actually ha feeling hatred. And, and that, so... So uh, hatred is sort of the is, is destructive anger. When anger is, is in its destructive form, a destructive relationship to anger is uh, hatred. Um, also things like rage, fury, retaliation. And once we're, when we're in there, now we're also, we have to realize too, when we're in there, we're very hypercognitive at this point. Hatred is much more a cognitive function than it is a, a somatic body-based experience. And so the other thing that's a real drag with rumination when we get caught in this um, sustained thinking about the defective nature of the person or the situation with continuous blame, um, on one hand, it also can feel kind of pleasant. It can be enjoyable. We can like it a little bit. Um, and to some degree, it's also a cognitive strategy to try to regulate the anger. So if we have no emotional intelligence and no emotional awareness around actually skillfully working with the anger, we think by hating the object, somehow our anger or our unpleasant feelings are going to go away. And also being a hypercognitive culture, which we are, as I'm sure you're aware, and many of you, I know from my personal conversations with you, are very hypercognitive, uh, this becomes kind of a, a really, really hard habit to break where when we're angry, and this happens quick, right? This doesn't happen over a couple minutes. When we're angry, what happens is we immediately manifest or we bring to mind the object of the source of the anger. Uh, and then we, we hate that object. We think that object shouldn't be there. Uh, the world would be a better place without this object. Uh, and then there's that sort of the blaming, the world would be a better place with that object, the hatred towards that. Um, and that's it's a really a kind of locked pattern you can get put into. Uh, and then what happens is in that locked pattern, all you're doing is thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, trying to fix, trying to solve, trying to figure out, trying to respond to somebody's Facebook post, trying to like come over the top of them. Um, and, you know, we see this. This is this is the world we live in. This is this is basically what social media is all about at this point. It's destructive anger platform. Um, and then, and it's not even in, in this destructive anger. So we could say, to just keep it simple, hatred is in fact destructive anger. Um, so we want to make sure that we. So how do we allow ourselves 
to be angry without becoming hateful. Um, you know, there's the question. Because if we look at anger, anger can be very constructive as well. In fact, anger, I would argue, is one of our most important emotions. So if we dip back into science class, we know that emotions were, they came online uh, in our neurobiology through evolution as a sort of survival mechanism. So they're really, emotions are best understood through the understanding of um, uh, neurobiology. And they came online for a reason. Probably the first one we got was fear. Probably the second one we got was anger. And the role of anger is to um, remove an obstacle. And so if you have any obstacles in your life that you want to remove, you're going to have to use the anger emotion. Um, so I call anger the get shit done emotion. And so if you want to get shit done, um, you have to use anger. And so what happens, people who have, so, so we could say anger can be destructive on the hateful side, the, 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 uh, what they would call hyper, ang hyper anger, hatred. So there's, a, there's, a, there's too much anger, but it can also be destructive on the deficit side. We can actually not have enough of it. Um, and so we're, we're not able, so if we don't have enough anger, we set terrible boundaries with people. Uh, we oftentimes agree to doing things we don't want to do. Um, we aren't able to advocate for ourselves. Um, we, people take advantage of us quite easily. Um, and that's, that's the outcome of a deficit of anger. So here we can see like too much, too little, uh, neither of them are really, really good. Of course, when, we're, when we are hyper anger and it becomes hatred, we tend to harm others. And we're on the deficit side of anger, we tend to harm ourselves. Uh, and that's that rage and that anger turned inward. And then that can also turn into self-hatred on a very extreme level. And it can really get caught into shame, into regret, into why do I always do this? Why do I always let people do that to me? I never stick up for myself. And then that becomes, then that thinking mechanism I was talking about, the rumination becomes, now I'm thinking about myself as a deficit. And I'm reflecting on my dysfunction and I'm reflecting on my inabilities and I'm reflecting on ways in which I'm unable to do that. So tricky business. So the other thing too, I think that's a little bit um, that I've realized in recent years is, is as much as we talk about mindfulness, I, I actually teach clinical trainings all the time called mindfulness and emotional intelligence. But when it comes to dealing with emotions and when it comes to dealing with anger in particular, Mindfulness does not do the heavy lifting. Uh, the Brahma Viharas does the heavy lifting for me. The heart practices of kindness and compassion and forgiveness, that's, without those, uh, without those backing my mindfulness up, all with mindfulness, if there's no uh, heart quality, when I'm angry, all mindfulness does is actually kind of sometimes make me more angry because now I'm just more aware. Now I'm like hyper aware of how much of an idiot and a stupid person you are and how much the world would be better if you just disappeared. So a lot of times the awareness around the anger emotion, the mindfulness of the anger can actually make it worse if we don't have some kind of uh, regulatory strategy, regulation strategy. And so as I said, when a lot of people get angry, they use hatred. They use the, the convenience of creating the object to direct the hatred and the blame towards to actually try to regulate that anger.
which is a terrible strategy. And it's probably what 80% of the population actually does. So when we start to try to take this on, if, um, there's really four stages of emotional intelligence. I'll talk about the first two because they're really helpful here. Is that you have to A, identify that you've become angry. Um, and then you actually have to access that anger. You have to access that anger somatically. You actually have to feel the nervous system. You actually have to feel the physical sensations in the onset of the anger, which if you're not used to it or haven't done that before, it's very unpleasant. Uh, it's very unpleasant. It's very hot. Uh, it, it makes you feel irritable and restless. Um, the body has a hard time holding it because it has so much energy. Of all the emotions, of all the universal emotions, anger is the one that's generally the most intense, which is why when we have the onset of it, we either rage and explode to let it out or we try to tamp it down. And of course, neither of those really are very effective. So we have to identify that we've become angry. We actually have to allow the anger to be present. And then we have to have enough of awareness and enough of a sense of an ethical moral compass to uh, to regulate that with an experience of being able to, to kind of assess what kind of a choice do I want to make here. So when we're trying to work with anger skillfully, there's, there's, there's awareness, but there also needs to be a, a, somewhere in that process, there needs to be a choice point. There needs to be a moment of like, okay, like um, the anger screaming at me, telling me to do something, which is generally the message of anger. Get out of the way, you know, react, do something. Don't just sit there, you idiot. You know, it's really hard to kind of be still in the anger. And so then we have to understand what our mind does. What, what, so then we actually have to, we actually have to withdraw the attention. We have to hold back the assault on creating the object in which we can direct our hatred and blame towards. Uh, we have to bypass that. We have to not do that. Um, and that, that, that to me is the hardest part of the whole game. Because a lot of times it happens so quick that I, a lot of times I'm doing it before I couldn't, I can't stop it, it's happening. And then I have to be aware of that and, and, and I have to a lot of times feel the pain of that. Uh, and this is where the teaching, I love the Buddha has this teaching, the enjoyment of the hating and the blaming of the object is uh, what the Buddha calls the honey-tipped arrow. Uh, the honey-tipped arrow, because at first it's, mmm, it's so sweet and delicious and pleasant, and it's immediately followed by this, ah. So we want to try to get to that, oh, this actually really doesn't really feel good. Or we have to get in, we really have to get in touch with our sense of integrity. We have to get in touch with some seal of like, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. I just don't, I, you know? And even if you're right, you're wrong, right? Because the mind pleads that case of like, dude, look what they did. You know, it's so hard to take the high road on this one. And then so part of it is trying to feel into uh, some being at ease, doing some metta, doing some compassion, doing something. You have to do something. The problem with anger and anger, you have to do something. If you do nothing, the anger will win. So you're having to work with it contemplatively, uh, a sense of ease, a sense of compassion. And the thing that usually works best uh, in my cognitive experience is trying to um, go into a, a recognition of a shared humanity, which is the message of compassion. So... 
compassion, as much as it's a heart practice, it's also there is a cognitive message and there's a cognitive function. There's a view, there's a perspective. And the perspective that we need to get as quickly as we can is this shared humanity. And actually, you know what, we're all in this together. And my hating of the object and blaming of the object is not going to make the object behave better. So then it just becomes good old-fashioned logic. It's just not going to work. So as much hatred or blame as I, as I shoot at that object, it's not going to change the nature of the object. In fact, it's probably going to make the object worse. And so if I can see that, if I can maybe even consider that all human harm is creative out of a place of suffering, is that these people do these terrible things because mostly because they're confused and they're suffering. And ironically, they're confused and suffering and they actually can't hold their own anger. And they have developed and generated an object in which they can blame and hate. And they've blamed and hated it so much that now they're taking actions out of that place. So if we engage in the same thing, we're putting ourselves in a, in a situation where we're now we're the victim and the perpetrator. We're doing the same damn thing from some other moral high ground mountaintop. And, you know, in the heat of the moment, this is very, very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. But sometimes I think thinking about it this way and walking through it, this is why I think the science of emotions and actually having some general education on how this stuff works is helpful because hearing all this, I go, okay, 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 I get it now. I'll, 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 I'm willing to give it a try now. Um, and so we uh, want to try to discern that anger is important and necessary and certainly not going away anyway. So how do we learn how to be how do we learn how to be skillful in our anger without getting that getting pulled into that experience of hatred? And one of the one of the ways that you can tell is I, I can tell is when I'm when I when we're in hatred. This is why mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of breathing and the metavipassana system that you guys are learning with the the, the being at ease and the breathing here is so important. Is because that that creates a magnetic field at some point where. I notice when I go into these hypercognitive things around hatred, there's a disconnection. I'm not here at all. I'm actually very here. And I almost, if I have enough awareness, I can actually know I, I've just totally disconnected. To some degree, I've disconnected from my heart and I've disconnected from my sila. I've disconnected from my sense of humanity. And so that's why this bringing the awareness back and why I think this, why I found the metavipassana system is so good if it gives me it gives me something that I can do in the heat of the moment to neutralize this experience. I can feel the disconnection. I can feel the arrow on the other side of the honey and I can stop and I can come back. And if I stop and I come back, I, I'm out of that reactivity. I'm back into more of a Nibbana. I'm more at ease. And now I can connect better with my perspective or sense of a shared humanity. And now I can make a better choice. And the more I make the better choice, the more that actually becomes, there's the other good news here with the, 
with, with the idea of karma or neuroplasticity, which we could use those words synonymously, dare I say that, is that um, the more we do that, the more likely we're able to do that again. So the first couple times we do it, it's challenging, but then it, it starts to kind of develop its own neural structure. It's something that we, we sort of, it actually can get to the point where it starts to become somewhat automatic. And this is what uh, Daniel Goleman and, and Richard Davidson in their book, Altered Traits, this is when compassion becomes a trait. It's not just a nice idea. It's not just a nice Buddhist idea in our little fancy Buddhist list that we believe in. It's actually a, a human trait that we've developed that have a trait-like quality. So the next time we're in, we get the onset of that anger, we feel that we feel all these tendencies coming on. That option actually is, is now in our drop-down menu of clickable choices. And so that's the thing about it that I think that's most reassuring is that um, it's not always hard. You know, like with most things in this kind of practice, in this work, it's hard at the beginning, but kind of takes on its own own evolution, the evolution of the heart. Um, and that, that to me is probably the most encouraging idea in all of this. Because at first when I learned all this stuff, I was like, oh man, I'm not even, I was like, if it's going to be that hard, I, fuck it, I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to get pissed off and rage. And you know, like if it's going to be that hard, why bother? So I thought we could do, we, we could do a little bit because all of you are pretty, pretty well adjusted folks. Uh, I thought we could do a little bit of trigger practice today. Uh, where we will um, bring to mind uh, something, uh, uh, an experience of anger and start to recognize the onset of that hatred and kind of trying to bring it back a little bit. Um, so be warned, you, you, this might make you a little bit angry, and I certainly hope that it does. There's a little bit of caffeine to fuel the anger. Caffeine and anger are like cousins. <laughs> uh, you can uh, allow yourself to find a suitable posture for practice and we'll start and end with the bell as we do So taking a few moments to allow yourself to settle into a seated posture, allowing the eyes to close and bringing your full awareness into the present time experience. Connecting and sustaining your attention and awareness with the full length of your in-breath, breathing in. Connecting and sustaining your attention with the full length of the out-breath, breathing out. Developing a global awareness of the body. There is a body. Knowing there is a body sitting. Knowing there is a body breathing. And knowing there is a body feeling some degree of emotional tone. Maybe feeling a little scared, a little angry a little joyous, a little sad. Just letting that be in the body, not thinking about that, but just feeling that. And cultivating mindfulness of breathing here for a few minutes before we begin.
Continuing to connect and sustain with the sensations of in and out breathing and allowing the primary focus rest around the heart center. And so maintaining most of your awareness in the body and the breath but putting a light touch or opening to the mind and bringing to mind something recently in your life that you have experienced that made you angry, irritated, annoyed, frustrated, And remembering that anger can carry a message ranging all the way from being dissatisfied to feeling threatened. And just pulling this anger experience up as if you were pulling up a screen and just allowing the mind to play out the event, the experience, the memory. And allowing the mind to indulge in feelings of unfairness, betrayal, injustice. And for the sake of practice, allowing the mind to engage in thoughts about the defective nature of the person or the situation and the ways in which we feel they're to blame. And trying to maintain most of the awareness in the body, just allowing the kind of tape to play through about the event, the person, the circumstances, or the cause of the anger, the trigger of the anger. And see if you can develop this second stage of emotional intelligence. See if you can allow yourself to be angry, to feel 
the anger in your body. As you feel anger, you might begin to notice some heat in the face, in the tops of the cheeks, the inside of the arms on the left and right side, and a tightness in your chest. You might notice that your breath becomes more shallow. And to whatever degree you're able to access the anger, see if you can allow yourself to be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's appropriate. It's necessary for us to be able to access our anger. And see if you can recognize or acknowledge the anger as just an aspect of our shared humanity. We all have it. And for the next few minutes, see if you can allow the anger to be there at whatever intensity feels okay for you and start to extend a sense of kindness, friendliness towards the anger. I see you. I understand you. And as we practice here for the next few minutes, see if you can just sit quietly with your anger. And as you continue to be with anger, you might notice heat in the body. You might even notice you begin to sweat under your arms.
You might begin to recognize the unpleasant feelings and sensations of anger. And again, just allowing those to be there, developing an attitude of kindness towards the anger. And now taking a few moments to bring the awareness back into the body, a few deep breaths, unhooking from the anger as best you can, breathing in, breathing out. And then seeing if we can open to a sense of empathy and compassion. And just some kind of acknowledgement of a shared humanity that all human beings, all of us, have anger. And anger operates in each and every one of us in the same way. And as we feel into the heart center to try to recognize as best you can that we all get angry because we care. We care about ourselves. We care about our loved ones. We care about our world. We care about our country. And then when that's something that we care about is attacked or belittled or threatened, naturally we become angry.
And extending into a compassion practice and acknowledging ourselves and others with the simple phrases. May I be free from suffering. May you be free from suffering. May we all, all living beings everywhere, be free from suffering. May I be free from causing harm through my anger. May you be free from causing harm through your anger. May we all be free from causing harm to ourselves and others through our anger. And may I be free from hatred. And may you be free from hatred. And may we all be free from hatred and ill will. And cultivating this quality of compassion in whatever way feels right, feels true for you at this moment. May I be free from causing harm through my anger. May you be free from causing harm through your anger. May we all be free from causing harm through anger.
And for the last few minutes, you can rest in your present time experience, practicing in any way that feels helpful right now. Focusing on your breathing, extending this compassion, allowing things to be as they are, and trying to integrate the experience so that it's complete. Not trying to get rid of anything or add anything, but just allowing things to be as they are, as best you can, and allowing that to be good enough. All right, thank you for your practice. 